Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we help you discover innovative startups in the outdoor sport industry. Join us as we tell the story of brands who are paving the way for the future of outdoor sports. And here's your host, Josh Salvo. Hey, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners. Do you love skiing, snowboarding, climbing, hiking, camping, surfing, kayaking, or mountain biking? Did you know that there are thousands of new outdoor sports startups launching each year with incredible stories and products that are revolutionizing their sports? At Ready Yeti, we are a community of outdoor sport enthusiasts that love discovering new brands and supporting the ones that make innovative, quality products and that have a drive to give back. At ReadyEddy.com, we give away products every two weeks from your soon-to-be favorite outdoor sports startups. Check out ReadyEddy.com and become a part of our daily growing outdoor sports community and be among the first to discover tomorrow's outdoor sport brands. Hey guys, and welcome to the Ready Eddie Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Salvo. On today's episode, I am chatting with Taylor Henderson, the founder of No Zip Sleeping Bags, which is based out of LA. According to Taylor, after an epic zipper struggle in 2014, he created the first No Zip Magnetic Entry Sleeping Bag. He went on to run a successful Kickstarter campaign to get No Zip off the ground and has been running it ever since. Taylor, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Awesome. So, so our audience, for the audience member who doesn't know about No Zip yet, could you sort of run through exactly what you guys are and how you're different than other sleeping bag companies out there? Sure. So, we're primarily a sleeping bag company, and our big difference is that we're the uh, only company with a magnetic closure system. So we get you all snuggled up, just snapping in with magnets instead of zippers. So that's our most unique feature to our uh, our sleeping bag design, as well as we're the only ones with a quickly expanding shape. Uh, so it kind of works more like your quilt at home, and you can easily dump heat, um, which is good because we have a 15-degree mummy bag, which can get pretty hot during the summer. I bet. <laughs> that yeah. is for sure. So it's one bag that works in multiple ranges, correct? Right. Right now, we're, uh, we just have the one bag, but uh, actually going into production with a zero-degree bag and a 30-degree bag, which we should have in a couple weeks. Will those ones also have multiple ranges? Because I, I think I read it's 15 degrees, 50 degrees, and then 65 degrees with the different um, setups. Yeah. So it's, it, it's kind of for illustration, but it's just to show the, that there's, the venting is capable of you know, not overheating you. Um, that's like the number one complaint about, uh, mummy bags is that for the really elite models that they, they almost do their job too well and keep it too hot. So they're not, you know, you don't want to spend $400 on a bag and then, you know, not take it out on your summer camping trip. So that's what really what the, uh, the venting does is, is it allows you a bigger, um, comfortable temperature range. Awesome. So how did you come up with this idea? Well, I, it, it was in I was traveling in Mongolia. Um, I like to adventure travel, so I borrowed a friend's sleeping bag because the one I had was a synthetic bag, which didn't really fit into my uh, I think it's a 65 liter pack uh, for the trip. So uh, after a long day of, of hiking and uh, getting sunburned and being dehydrated and altitude sickness, all this you know adding up, all I wanted to do was go to sleep um, and, and get tucked in. But, but I just had like an epic zipper struggle, so I just couldn't close the bag and had to take breaks between it. You know, just, you know, <laughs> the, there's got to be a better way moment. Um, so at that time, you know, I figured like, okay, well, 
you know, there, there should be a better solution to this. And it was 2014. Um, so when I got back to the States, I just started thinking about it and uh, eventually just hit me with why not try magnets. And then when I put pen to paper, uh, basically the bag we have today is the first first drawing I, I drew of it. So worked out pretty okay. <laughs> that's that's really cool. So what's your background? So you're an adventure traveler. What did you do bef- before you started No Zip? Right. So I'm, I'm a civil engineer by trade. Uh, so I've been successful engineer for probably almost 10 years. Um, so if you've ever, if you've ever been to LA, probably driven or parked or landed on a project I've, I've worked on. Um, and civil engineers, for those who don't know, are, they basically build anything that doesn't move. So roads, bridges, uh, airports, um, water systems, you know, you name it. Um, that's what I designed for about 10 years. That's really cool. Are you originally from LA? Yes. Yeah, I'm from LA. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's home. <laughs> nice. Um, that's really cool. So how long were you always into sort of, um, backpacking, camping, adventure traveling when you were younger? What made this sort of, a, a, a an innate interest for you? Yeah. So when I was growing up, um, my parents always kind of instilled a sense of adventure, which was looking back on it, pretty awesome. You know, we'd, we'd go to, uh, national parks in, in the motorhome when I was a kid. Um, and we'd go out to the desert and ride, ride quads and motorcycles and stuff. So I think it was in 2010, I decided to give up my engineering job for a year. And then I ended up driving a motorcycle from Los Angeles all the way to Tierra del Fuego, Argentina. Uh, and that ever since that trip, uh, I've definitely probably been a little too addicted to adventure traveling. Wait a minute. You went all the way to Argentina. How long did that take? Yeah, it took, it took six months to drive from LA to, uh, the, the Southern tip of Argentina. So it was a, it was a long road for sure. That's awesome. That sounds like such a cool, what made you decide to do, to do that kind of a trip? Well, I think it's just, I, I did did everything right in my life. You know, I went to college, I got good grades in high school. Um, and I kind of just loved motorcycles and I loved traveling and, you know, I had some money saved up. So figured why not just go for it. Um, so I just quit my job and, you know, packed, sold everything I had and packed it up on a motorcycle and just headed south. That's really cool. So what, after you got back from your trip, then what? Then, uh, I was lucky enough, um, that the project I was working on kind of took a break for a year and then kind of started back up. So I was able to jump right back into my old job and, you know, keep working and, uh, you know, ended up switching jobs a couple of times. But while I was working as an engineer, um, you know, part time fiddling with with new project, new projects, excuse me. That's awesome. That's really cool. So going through. So you originally started in 2014. That was sort of when you came up with the idea originally. From then till now, what sort of prototyping went th- uh, went into building the no zip bag that you see right now on online? Yeah. So I would say about six months were was prototyping with just magnet magnet strength so whether to use really strong magnets and fewer of them or use a bunch of magnets that are um, lesser strength so it took about six months to figure out what was best um, for the closer mechanism to stay closed all night while still being able to break apart and and not pinch you 
too bad either. <laughs> uh, so I did, I did all that um, by myself with my mother's sewing machine, um, but quickly ran out of my skill set, um, you know, learning from YouTube videos. So eventually I hired somebody from um, makersrow.com. Um, and she she's a person in the fashion industry here and was willing to take on the project. So um, I think the first three or four prototypes she helped me build. Uh, and then from there, we got to a, a more suitable manufacturer in the States. And then from there, after uh, the Kickstarter, we went and now we, now we make exclusively in China. Interesting. Cool. So. Um, you launched the Kickstarter campaign in 2014. What made you guys decide to go with the Kickstarter? Um, we launched in 2016. I mean, the company's been around, I guess, I don't know if it's company wise or tinkering designs, trying to get all the patents and all, you know, all that mumbo jumbo. Um, but we eventually launched in March of 2016. Um, so Kickstarter was the the easy choice, um, just because they drive a lot of traffic to the site. And my goal is to be an online retailer. So, um, it's basically like, well, not free cause you end up paying your 5% like everybody else, but, uh, you know, a, a good source of eyeballs. Uh, and then it's also super low risk. So with any crowdfunding, um, you put it out there, see if people are willing to invest their dollars, uh, and see, you know, really if your product is, worth it. So, you know, that's why I chose Kickstarter instead of, you know, dumping a bunch of money into a production run and then trying to sell them later. I, I, I really like the pre-sale model. Um, and, you know, as long as I don't burn any of the backer, uh, of my backers, I think it works. Uh, so, it's good. Without a doubt. So, you've talked about how the magnets are something that's unique about your bag your your sleeping bags and sort of the different setups for for the different temperature ranges but what's something that might not be overly obvious you know when you go on nozip.com or when you look up information about you guys what's something unique about you your business um that not anyone really knows sure so i think our business model is pretty much direct to consumer we pretty much sell directly through nozip.com and you can find us on Amazon as well. Uh, however, by doing direct to consumer, basically factory or my design from the factory and then I, I'll warehouse and ship directly to customers, um, we can save a lot of cost. Uh, and with that, we can provide a like ultra competitive price to our customers. Um, so we just did a blog post where uh, we compared our bag with the primary specifications of weight, fill type, uh, and temperature rating with um, all bags from like REI.com and moosejaw.com. Um, we did that internally just to make sure we were priced competitively. Uh, and then we just released it because we think, you know, we have an advantage by being more small and more nimble and more direct to consumer. So um, that's, I think, a pretty big advantage we have. That's interesting. So I get that spurs a question in my mind with the magnets. Um, I know a lot of people, obviously, they want to not have a bag that's overly heavy, especially mm -hmm. if they're going to be carrying it on their on their pack. So how, how does Nozip compare to um, your standard, you know, mummy bag or, you know, backpacking sleeping bag? Right. So we're we're four ounces heavier if 
if you used our straight bag design uh, and just put in a, a zipper instead, um, the weight difference is about four ounces. Uh, it's probably a little bit less, but um, the way we can make up for that is doing direct-to-consumer pricing so that, uh, you know, if you found something with our comparable specs, you might have to pay 350 but with us, since you're going direct from the factory, you can you can snag it for 300 um, So spec-wise, it's comparable, um, you know, because we've dropped the price and made it competitive. Um, but, yeah, there's no getting around it. Like, magnets are heavier than zippers. So that's something we just have to deal with. Interesting. So I assume you guys are going to be constantly looking for ways to make those lighter so that you can essentially get that weight down. But that's that's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, and, and I think what we'll do for for future uh, spitballing is, is, is probably an ultralight quilt. Um, I think there's a big opportunity there. Ultralight quilts are super, super popular, um, especially in the online community. So um, I think we're okay with having a mummy bag, but I think we're also okay with with trying to launch new products um, and where we can get that super light quality is, is just by eliminating the back part of the sleeping bag and doing a, a full ultralight quilt. Right. Right. Interesting. Now you, you mentioned that your packs or your, um, your bags are made in China. Um, I guess my, my question here is what is your sort of commitment to min, uh, sustainability, sustainable manufacturing um, with uh, no zip? Sure. So, uh, Number one is any, anybody or any company that uses down um, should always have their source source down be not from live plucking or force-fed animals. Uh, that's, that's number one. Um, and we definitely, for a time we were using allied feather, which is probably the biggest downsourcing um, feather company. Um, however, we made a switch after I visited the factory in China. Um, you know, I kind of got to see all the nuts and bolts from, from basically from meat farm because down is a byproduct of the meat industry, um, to, to complete sleeping bags. So with that, I mean, make sure we're not, you know, live pluck or anything like that. And then also, you know, make sure that there's treatment facilities on site, the way they treat the down. A lot of, a lot of times it's easy to just, uh, to dump that, that waste when you clean the down, uh, down the drain. But, uh, our factory has a has a big system to clean all that. So before it goes into the river, it's uh, it's been cleaned again. You know, which is obviously you know you can't you can't start a company and and not be environmentally environmentally friendly. So we we definitely have that commitment as as most other companies do as well. Interesting, without a doubt. So throughout this sort of journey, obviously you're a civil engineer, so you have a lot of experience with tinkering and design and putting things together and coming up with ways to sort of improve, you know, obviously sleeping bag in your, in your case, but what kind of mentors have you had along this process? Sure. It's, it, I mean, a lot of it is, is online. So, so blogs and podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Um, you, you just get from doing your own research and stuff that that you think fits well into your business model. Uh, like for me personally, I really like the book. Um, oh, geez, I'm blanking on the name right now. Oh, the the E Myth Revisited. Um, yeah. Really great for small, really great for small businesses, you know. So, um, so it's easy to look to something that you know is not only popular but um, well received by by communities. Um, as well as, you know, I, you know, I have lots of friends that are, that are 
you know, making their own careers and, and different paths too. So um, our probably number one mentor is uh, one of my friends, and he's he's another civil engineer as well, um, like most of my friends are. But uh, he's actually working on Hyperloop and doing new advanced stuff within the civil engineering uh, field, which is pretty neat to watch too. So it, it's fun to watch industries grow and uh, be a part of that. So that's what we're really looking to do is, I guess, grow. That's awesome. So this sort of leads me into asking what, so the company is just, is just you, correct? Correct. Okay. So how do you manage and get everything done? Cause obviously you got to wear all the hats. How do you, how does that sort of operation work? It's kind of tough, uh, being a one man show, but it's also super nice in one respect, you know, cause you, you get to make all the decisions and that's it. It's all final. Just go for it. Um, right. but on the other hand, you know, like there's stuff that I'm not, uh, as strong with, you know, like, um, like sales and, you know, like prototypes. Yeah, I got that. So it, it's really learning to be the best at everything. So, you know, whether it's, um, tinkering around with a website or tinkering around with Google AdWords, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to learn. So, um, I'm always willing to learn. So, you know, that you got to put, I just put the time in and try to learn all that kind of stuff um, so I can go out there and directly apply it as quick as I can. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, cool. So what have you guys done to get yourselves out there? Because obviously, you know, you're a one-man show. You're selling directly online. How, what have you done to really build that awareness and make – the sales to obviously get your business to grow right so it's it's a lot of grassroots kind of um marketing you would call it um because to be honest everything's marketing so um but like 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 your business we basically start with we started with a uh email list to to increase you know just to get the awareness out there um so we started with an email list and a contest. So if you had social shares, you would get, um, you know, little prizes along the way. And we decided to give out three bags to our top, um, three sharers. And it ended up being that our top three sharers all went through Facebook groups, uh, on like, you know, backpacking and Pacific crest trail and shared it that way. And ended up getting, garnering a lot of signature, um, email signups for us. Um, and that email list has actually been um, probably the most valuable tool, um, you know, for for the cost, especially um, acquiring a customer at the cost of giving away a few bags um, was was tremendous. Because from that list, you know, people have heard about us. They kind of followed along on our story. Uh, and then, you know, eventually a, a few have made purchases, which is perfect. Uh, it's a great way to to launch a business and then, you know, uh, I, I think you would probably agree it's uh, maintain a business as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not an easy thing to do without right. a doubt. Building an audience, especially one that trusts you, it's a hard thing to do. And when they've never met you, you know, it, take, it takes time and you've got to, you know, put out quality information. And obviously building a quality product makes it, you know, makes it the best it possibly can be. Right. Absolutely. So what would you say has been the hardest part with starting NoZip? Uh, I would say probably the stress. I mean, it's if 
if you want, like I tell some of my friends who still work in the civil engineering industry, you know, it's like if you want to uh, invite stress and fear and anything you don't want in your life, like just go out and start a business. Because, <laughs> man, it's, uh, you know, like just watching uh, just like the first day on Kickstarter, you know, you, you launch your product and you want to you're hoping to get your, your goal in, um, in 24 hours because that's a really good good marker of um, future success with, with the campaign right. um, that builds on on each other. And, you know, it, just watching sales go up and then some people can even uh, take their bids away too. So it's, it's really uh, stressful. So, it, you know, being out on the limb is really like the, the, the toughest part, you know, like there's no safety net. There's no, um, there's nobody there to tell you, you messed up, you know, you, you just look at, at the numbers later and say like, Oh geez, I could have done that better. So there's, there's actually, and you know, I, I could probably go on on this question forever cause it's, it's definitely not easy, but, um, in the end it is pretty rewarding when you get like that good review from, from a customer, you know, that says like, Oh, Hey, I really, I really enjoyed the bag and I took it out in X, X, Y, Z place. So, you know, they're, there's positives to it as well, but yeah, it, it's not easy. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's an emotional roller coaster to say the least. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's funny because like I if, for me it fluctuates. Sometimes it fluctuates multiple multiple times a day. Like the morning, like it'll be working. Like I'll get, you know, I feel like I'll be making a ton of progress. Like some partnerships are starting to pan out, and then something detrimental happens. And, you know, maybe one of the giveaways isn't getting as much exposure as I want in the afternoon. And then I'm like, damn it, maybe this wasn't a good idea. <laughs> you know, it's like going through right. that constant almost struggle. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, this, the startup podcast, I think it's just called Startup from uh, Alex Bloomberg. They, they described it as like the trough of sorrow. Yeah. <laughs> every, every business goes through the trough of sorrow. Without. And it's like, oh, yeah, I know what you mean now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. No, that's great. So what, what are some of the biggest mistakes you've made? You sort of touched on this a little bit. Um, yeah, I think we could have priced it better from the start. Um, as far as uh, Kickstarter campaign goes, you know, I think we had, I think we had pretty lofty expectations um, as far as um, differences. Since sleeping bags are, they're pretty all, they're essentially a commodity. So, yeah, the biggest thing that I thought was different was that um, I thought fe- a, a really good feature set would would matter more. Um, but I think what really matters is. Um, since sleeping bags are commodities, like you've got to hit your competitive specs. So the weight, the price and the, uh, temperature range has to be ultra competitive or else, you know, people will just ignore you or just, you know, go down to their local REI and buy, buy that bag. So I, I think that's probably the biggest mistake is we started out with a probably too high of a price point. Um, however, I think we've settled in on a really good price point now, um, so, and you know, the only way you can do that is just, you know, there's no information when you, when you launch your Kickstarter, you can't lower prices afterwards. So, so that was a learning experience, of course. Um, so if I were to do it again, I'd rather, you know, make up for a lower price with more quantity, but you know, that's all, that's all stuff you, you, you learn on the fly. So without a doubt, without a doubt, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business in the outdoor sport world? Um, I would say, yeah, just build prototypes, you know, like the number one thing, um, 
that I've learned is turning over prototypes. So I think we went through like nine prototypes. Um, so if you can just turn down, turn around those prototype times um, instead of doing a one month turnaround time to, to two or three, like start, uh, you know, to two or three weeks, excuse me, um, you could save a ton of time in the end. You know, it, it probably took us, you know, like it took me, yeah, like I said, like six months just to prototype the magnets. Um, you know, then not alone with getting the, the bag cut right and all that kind of stuff. So, so if you can just really turn down those prototype times, you can really launch something a lot quicker. Um, so that's, that's something that I, I really recommend as well as, you know, it's never been easier to, to start a business, you know, with, with all the crowdfunding options out there, you know, you can you do minimal investment, um, and, and see if people like it. And, and, you know, cause all your friends and family are going to be like, yeah, great, good job. Everything's awesome. That's such a great idea. But <laughs> you know, if you're a Kickstarter, if you don't, you know, you know, obviously make it a nice Kickstarter and, and spend the time there. But you know, if, <laughs> if nobody buys on your Kickstarter, then it's like, Hey, okay, well we got real world, um, feedback and the feedback is, you know, we need to improve. So, you know, it, it's good to do that crowdfunding stuff cause you get, you get such great feedback and it's immediate and the best kind of feedback you want is, you know, dollars. Cause you know, a lot of people will tell you something's really nice to their face, to your face, but unless they pull out the wallet, um, your business in particular is never going to make it. So that's, that's been a real fun, fun test. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad we passed uh, on Kickstarter, but you know, it's, it's a, it's been a fun ride. I think that's a, a great, uh, great advice to give someone, especially, you know, people just saying that, oh, that's a really cool idea. But if they don't take out their wallet and buy it, you you, you don't have anything. <laughs> yeah, there. I mean, there's a big, there's a big gap there, you know, and and the only way to cross it is is to make the sale, you know, um, like like we say in engineering, really, like it all starts with the sale, and it's and it's really true. And if you're gonna have a business. Um, you know, and if it's, you're going to have to sell something, especially in like the outdoor industry where it's retail and product based, um, you're going to have to sell your service or, or good, um, for money to, to make a profit and make it, you know, actually work and be a, a viable product. So no better time to do it than as quick as you can, you know, just, just get it out there and, um, hope for the best. Without a doubt. So you, you mentioned that you guys went through nine prototypes to sort mm -hmm. of get, to where you are now um what what were sort of this like what did you improve that would take you to the next level like was it different pieces of the overall bag that you were prototyping or was it nine bags with everything and then you're like okay we need to tweak this 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 and this and then you sort of just kept getting down the line until you were satisfied with the result so to speak Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just like very basic. Like, uh, the first prototype was, I was standing over, uh, over her shoulder and like, Oh yeah, this is kind of what I want. And then, you know, like, Oh, let's do this. So the first bag came back and it was, it was more like a rectangular full flat bag. Um, which <laughs> yeah. kind of just, I mean, approved the point. That's all I really wanted it to do was like, Hey, can I get in and this snaps shut, you know, and if I roll around, is it going to come unsnap? Um, so you know, it passed that test and then it's like, okay, well now let's improve. So, um, let's design a foot box, let's design a hood cinch, let's design a neck collar. Um, so each, each revision, we got a little bit better. Uh, and then of course, 
Um, to be honest, like there's not that much to choose in a sleeping bag. It's not like, I don't know, my, I'm not designing like an airport or anything. It's not like you have endless choices. Um, but yeah, like optimizing the, the material choice for the inside and the outside, optimizing um, your down selection, and then like little minor design tweaks um, that help you know the user experience um, end up making a difference. And then as as we went from U.S. to China as well, we probably had to do three more prototypes because, you know, they they try their best, but uh, yeah, these things are not easy to make. Um, the magnets always like want to fly up and you know snap, attach to the sewing machine, um, so there <laughs> there's not really like a a fun easy workaround to do it. Um, so it's it it just takes takes time to to get it right. Um, and and right now I think we we finally got it. Um, where we, we can whip them out, but you know, it just takes time to get there. Right. So you guys aren't just using any magnet, uh, you could find, you know, in a convenience store. What, what, I guess my question is what kind of magnets do you use and why did you pick them for the sleeping bags? Sure. So, um, Neo, we use neodymium magnets, and they're the, the strongest. They're, they're sometimes called uh, rare earth magnets, even though they're not rare uh, at all. Um, but they were developed in the 80s for the American car industry. Um, so they've been popping up in new uses all over the place. Um, and you know, they're, what's really great about them is they're, they're so strong. Um, so you can easily go too strong with, with them. Um, so yeah, we had to optimize um, spacing to make sure we saved on weight, but also that you know that the the magnets fastened properly, you know, like they weren't too weak that you if you roll over they they fly out. So neodymium is is definitely the best, and then they're they're really stable too. Um, it's not like this is as long as you don't get them heat them up, they're not going to lose their magnetic ability as either. They're so they're they're a really good choice um, for our our product. That's really interesting. So where do you see NoZip going in the next year, five years, 10 years? Sure. So, well, I mean, it's always a battle to launch new products. So um, I don't think there's it, – it'd be tough to just say that we, we want to stick with one product. So um, ideally, when, when I started the business, I was hoping to launch new products every six months, um, which I knew was a torrid pace. Um, designing the business as a as a solo entrepreneur and not not having a a team um, and taking investment or anything like that. So I knew it would be a challenge to run the business as well as um, do more and more uh, design and prototypes and launching products. Um, so I think we're probably going to hit that pace. We're hoping to do another Kickstarter probably next year with with the quilt. Um, but really, I mean, we have to have a full full breadth of of options, you know, since it's just such a personal choice with, you know, your sleeping bag choice, you know, some people, you know, somebody in Alaska doesn't want the same sleeping bag as somebody in Florida. So, you know, we have to have that full options to make sure that we, we can grab the, the largest customer base we can. And, you know, it's always good to be innovative. There's no, you know, there's no perfect product out there. So we just hope that we can innovate and, you know, keep, keep up. Interesting, really interesting. So who would you say is the core demographic for NoZip? Uh, yeah, like 
you know, 28 to 35 year old male. Um, that's, that's our core audience. Um, you know, they, they're probably on their second sleeping bag looking for something to, uh, get outdoors, um, carry the sleeping bag on their back. Um, cause you know, a $300 sleeping bag, that's not, that's not for everybody. Right. Um, so, you know, it's really a select crew that, that like to hike, um, and want to make that investment because, because a good sleeping bag will last you, you know, it could last you five to 10 years if you take care of it. Right. Um, so, you know, those are people who buy it and then use it, you know, that, that might take it out, uh, four or five times a year or do a through hike or they're, they're really, um, more serious about camping. That's for sure. Interesting. So what made you decide to not raise money and bootstrap knows it? Uh, I think it's the, well, I, I don't know. I think the real way to go is, you know, I, I had money saved up, which is fine. You know, that's what, that comes with just being a, having a career beforehand. Like um, being able to have a career beforehand was, you know, totally, totally key. So, I, you know, being successful there um, gave me confidence to just take a shot at it. So, with with that said, the the reason to bootstrap is you know because you own 100%. So that's of the company. So and then you can, if you need to, um, you know, sell off equity if you need more runway or something like that. Um, but you know, bootstrap is bootstrap. So just you know, it, I think it's easier. You don't have to answer to investors. There's no um, anything like that. So it's it's all on me, which is which is good and bad because if it fails, it's all on me or if it's successful, it's all on me too. So, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's both ways. It's a tricky game. Yeah, for sure. No, that's good. So what what would you say is the best part about running NoZip? Uh, best part, I don't know, just the freedom, really. Like owning your own, own, business, own business is is pretty phenomenal um, in that respect because you can just, you know, uh, take time off when you need to um, and go to work when you need to. So if you can't sleep at, you know, uh, 11 o'clock at night, just go to work. There's always something to be done. So um, the freedom is really awesome. Um, However, you know, instead of having one boss like I did before, I have uh, all my customers are my boss now too. So it's not total freedom, but Hmm. it's, it's it's a different kind of freedom, which is nice. And plus, I get an excuse to go go camping now. You know, it's like, oh, gotta go, gotta go test the bags. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> I do that all. So the there's time. no complaints about that. Yeah, I'm like I gotta go test the gear for the upcoming giveaways. I'll be back in a couple days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's cool. So that leads me to you know ask the question: what what's uh, what's the average day like for you at Nozip? How often are you getting out? You know, on your trips. What is it? What's it like? On a daily basis, yeah. So it's it's mainly um, kind of what I did before. Like it's it's the office nine to five. So get up, make a giant pot of coffee, and jump on the computer, and you can either start designing or start optimizing web pages, take take more photos. Um, you know, there's there's a million things to um, optimize that conversion funnel on on the website that 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 I could be doing, um, as well as you know. Um, being creative and trying to get customers in, in new and in, in different ways as well, instead of um, just like through Google AdWords or Facebook ads too. So um, a lot of it's just sitting at the computer, balancing books, you know, all that typical, all that typical stuff. Um, 
and then you know hopefully on the weekends i can uh, watch some football and or go uh, go go somewhere like joshua tree or something close oh that's really cool and if anyone listening wants the chance to win a no zip sleeping bag they can head over to readyeddy.com between november 8th and the 22nd we're going to be giving away a um, no zip sleeping bag along with a few other um, awesome outdoor gear Um, we're going to be featuring fortress clothing Um, so you can head over and check them out and um, for the listener to learn more about no zip where where can they go no zip.com um with two p's (laughs) <laughs> yes that's yeah. key and you guys are on facebook instagram and yeah yeah we have a huge following on 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 instagram and, and twitter as well um but yeah we're just about to cross uh 10,000 followers on instagram we just well we i, I basically just post up all, all my fun travel adventure travel photos um from my friends and i when we go out and do do crazy stuff so um, if you like looking at pretty pictures, we got a good uh, Instagram fe- account to follow us uh, nice. to follow with as well. Yeah, and we will link all this in the show notes so you can guys can find it super easily. But uh, Taylor, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat me with me. It was really cool getting to know you and uh, Nozip. Yeah, thanks. It was good to uh, you know. It's always good to be- chat about the business and take a take a step back for me too. You know, it'll be good to listen to this and and see where uh, where we can improve on too and. You know, I really appreciate the the time you've taken to uh, have me on. Without a doubt. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah, thanks a lot, Josh. Hey, Ready Eddie podcast listeners. If you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Red Yeti Podcast. I'll catch you next week.